Father, we pray that you would help us today uh, to hear your word, to hear your call, and to follow you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. A few years ago, we were on holiday in Lanzarote, and we went on a bus tour one day, and the guide was pointing out various features of the island. And as we drove along between stops, she was telling us about other things that are on the island that we might like to visit as well, including a town that has an Amy Grant Museum. Now, uh, Amy Grant is a famous Christian singer, uh, but neither of us realised just how popular she must be in the Canary Islands that they have a museum uh, in her memory. Uh, Slightly strange, perhaps, but but that's okay. Uh, Until we realised, as the tour guide kept talking about the museum, uh, that it was an emigrant museum dedicated to people who have emigrated from the Canary Islands and not an Amy Grant Museum. Uh, We were both speaking English, uh, badly perhaps, uh, but confusion reigned supreme. Or think about whenever you encounter Americans and they say some words that we're not used to. Uh, So what do they mean when they say trash. Rubbish, very good, yes. Uh, When they talk about gas. Petrol, very good. Sidewalk. Footpath or pavement, yep. Uh, And diapers. Very good. As someone once said, two nations divided by a common language. Uh, Now imagine that you're working on a building site that you're working on a big tower and suddenly you can't understand a word that your colleagues are saying. They can't make you out either. There's just confused looks all around. You were able to to communicate yesterday, all right, but now it's all double dutch. So what is going on? Well, over the autumn... We've been tracing the story of the opening chapters of the Bible. We've been hearing about our beginnings, where our world came from, where we came from, how we lost the original paradise, and how sin and death has been reigning over the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve from their first rebellion. And yet there have been moments of grace. The promise of the son who would crush the serpent's head. The covering of Adam and Eve's shame through sacrifice. The grace shown to Noah who was saved with his family in his floating zoo. And started afresh when he came out of the ark with God's rainbow covenant promise. So now, having come out of the ark, we are back on track. But what are we on track to do? Well, in, in Genesis chapter 9, Noah is given a command, the same command, in fact, that God had originally given to Adam 
and Eve. Back in chapter 1, verse 28, we read these words. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. And then in chapter 9, to Noah, we read these words. Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. Adam and Eve's original purpose was to increase and to fill the earth. And when Noah with his wife and sons and their wives step out of the ark, God tells them the same. They're not to stay in one place, all huddled together. They're to fill the earth, to to steward and use all that God has given. Now, you might have noticed uh, over these Sunday mornings, we, we didn't read Genesis chapter 10. If you have your Bible open, uh, you might see why. Uh, if you like, uh, I will read it to you over tea and coffee in the hall. If you feel that you've missed out, uh, grab me and I will certainly read it to you. Uh, but it's the listing of the nations and people groups who came from each of Noah's three sons. And if you glance to uh, 10 verse 32 there on page 12. 10 verse 32. It looks as if the nations have obeyed God's command to fill the earth. It says these are the clans of Noah's sons according to their lines of descent within their nations. From these the nations spread out over the earth after the flood. It looks as if God's word has been obeyed. Except in Genesis 11, we find the circumstances that led to the scattering. In verse 1, we're told that the whole world had one language and a common speech. The same word means the same thing, no matter who you're talking to or wherever you are. Everyone is together, they're banded together as they move eastward and they settle at Shinar. Rather than filling the earth, they stay together, safety in numbers and all that. And it's here in Shinar that they develop some skill as they work together. They work out how to make bricks by baking them thoroughly so they don't need to use stone anymore. And they work out how to use bitumen as mortar. And then the sky's the limit. The town planners and the architects get to work. The builders start building. And the plan is to build not just a city, but also a tower. Uh, verse, uh, verse 4. Uh, but also a tower that reaches to the heavens. Just think of a city skyline with the skyscraper standing tall. Uh, The Empire State Building in New York or the Burj Khalifa in Dubai at the tallest building in the world at 2,722 feet. Uh, They're working here on the first ever skyscraper. And they're doing it together. Did you see uh, what they said each time? Verse 3, come, let's make bricks. And then verse 4, come, let us build ourselves a city. They're in it together. And they're quite clear about their motives as well. Did you notice that? 
Why are they building a city and a tower that reaches to heaven? Verse 4. So that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. They're out to make a name for themselves. They're motivated by pride. They want to be famous for their achievements. They're reaching for the top. Reaching, in fact, for the very top, to heaven itself. As they labour and build and climb, they're seeking to prove themselves. They're wanting to succeed, to replace God, to do away with God. And so they press on, doing all they can, working for their own name and their own glory. They say, we don't need God. We don't want God. But as they reach up, they're repeating the folly of the first sin. Do you remember Adam and Eve? They wanted to be like God. They wanted to be God. And so these Shinarites are doing the same. They want to be famous. They want to make a name for themselves so that they aren't scattered as God wants them to do. Come, let us. Higher and higher they go, building their tower and their empire. Come, let us. Building higher and higher. Are we building empires of our own? What is it that we give ourselves to? What is it that our pride pushes us to do? How are you trying to make a name for yourself? Trying to be known for something? Is in your family to have the best, most perfect children at the highest achievers. Perhaps it's to have at the cleanest, tidiest house, the most beautiful Christmas tree, at the Christmas lights that can be seen from space. Maybe it's in your work to succeed and make it to the very top. Perhaps you're building at your tower of wealth and riches. Wanting everyone to be in awe of your success, your power, your position. What are you giving your energy to? They were reaching up. They were building up to make it to the heavens. But in verse 5, we find the start of the Lord's response. It's a little bit of humour. It's a moment of irony. You see, they're, they're building up. They're, they're reaching up to the heavens. But verse 5 says, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. Imagine uh, that you have ants in your garden, not your mother's sister, the other kind of ants, the creepy crawly ants. Uh, and, And imagine that those ants start to build an ant city. Uh, And they're working away. It's something very grand and very impressive in the ant world. Uh, Never been seen before. uh, Never been done before. Uh, And they even start to build a tower. Because they think they're going to shove you off your perch. 
and take over your garden. But for you to see what they're doing, you almost have to you know, get down on your knees, get, get the magnifying glass out, stoop down and look very carefully. That's a bit like what's happening here. The Lord comes down because it's almost as if he couldn't see it from earth. They think it's so impressive, so, so high and so mighty, and yet he has to you know, stoop down to see it. The people had banded together with their come at Ledos. Now the Lord responds with his own come at Ledos. He says, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. The people reached up in sinful pride and the Lord stoops to curse by bringing confusion of their language. The scattering happens. The the nations are divided. The people spread out over the face of the whole earth. The city lies unfinished. Its ruins a testimony to the folly of pride. Its name, Babel, or Babel. Later, the city would be built, and a mighty empire would come from it, the city of Babylon. And in its later form, it was still known for proud rebellion against God. So that even in Revelation, the empire that stands against God is known by the codename Babylon. So when it comes to our own prideful ambitions and projects, what will come of them? Do we really think God will allow them to continue? Will we forever get away with making a name for ourselves and building our own kingdoms and empires? Whether suddenly or slowly, confusion creeps in. Our plans are frustrating. Our pride leads to a fall. Our towers lie in ruins. We simply cannot reach up to heaven. We can't build our own way to heaven. It's not possible. Indeed, as we've seen right through these opening chapters of Genesis, our first parents are just like us, or we are like them. We're scattered, lost, and alone. Our achievements are temporary. They're soon toppled. But the good news is that in Jesus, the curse is reversed. In Jesus, God comes down, not in judgment, but in grace, to seek and to save the lost. In Jesus, God comes down to lift our humanity to the heights of his throne. 
We see that in Philippians chapter 2. Jesus didn't grasp or didn't, uh, didn't exploit his equality with God the Father. He didn't pull rank and say, do you know who I am? Instead, he made himself nothing. He took on the nature of a servant. He was made in human likeness and humbled himself to death. Not any old death, but the death of the cross. He went down, down, down. In order to rescue us from our pride, our achievements, our ambitions. And in Jesus, the confusion of languages and the scattering is reversed. As the risen Lord Jesus sends out his disciples to preach the good news. To make disciples of all nations. So that, do you remember on the day of Pentecost? People from all over the place hear the good news in their own languages. And on the last day, gathered around the throne, it will be people from every nation and tribe and people and language Praising God as they sing, salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. We can never build our way to heaven. But we have a God who stoops to save, who is calling us and gathering us. And gathering others as well. This week we have a way of calling people to Jesus. As the Christmas flyers go out. But have you come to Jesus? Have you repented of your pride? Whatever form that may take. One day he will return. That's the message of Advent. And on that day, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Are you ready to welcome him? Are you ready to submit to him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess to you our pride and our folly. We come to you and we ask for your forgiveness. And we ask you to bring us to yourself. Father, we pray that you would help us uh, to hear the invitation and to extend the invitation. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.